We are, by our nature, spiritual people. I choose to believe in God because I think what that is, is the recognition that there is a divine beauty in all of us. We just want to be connected to something higher. That could be another person, that could be God, that could be West Ham United. I think the important thing is to have the central tenet of your being to be love, compassion, and tolerance. Everyone knows that. Those were the musings of the world-famous spiritual guru Russell Brand. You may know him as a British comedian and actor. These thoughts expressed by Brand are not all that different from comments made by other celebrities like Janet Jackson, Christina Aguilera, Paul McCartney, and Oprah Winfrey. These all claim to be spiritual and not religious. But it's not just celebrities who have identified their spirituality this way. A growing number of people in the West seem to be saying the same thing, that they are spiritual but claim no organized religion. Why is that? And can you be spiritual but not religious? We will do our best to try and answer those questions in our podcast here today. Welcome everybody to the Hacka Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathorn. Thank you for joining with me today as we continue to explore how we can best serve God in this changing world. Today, we are going to be talking about spirituality and religion. Over the last few decades, there has been a rise of people around the world that call themselves spiritual, but not religious. You may not have heard this exact term used, but you would have heard the sentiment expressed. The group that identifies with this style of religious description has grown so much that it is now a category in most population surveys that deal with religious affiliation. What does it actually mean to be spiritual, but not religious? According to Wikipedia, it is a popular phrase and initialism used to self-identify a life stance of spirituality that takes issue with organized religion as the sole or most valuable means of furthering spiritual growth. So basically, they don't believe that religion is the best way to grow spiritually or to have a spiritual life. This can apply to individuals who love Jesus but not church. So they do not want to be involved in uh, institutions of Christianity or different denominations. And it can also apply to people who believe themselves to be spiritual, but they do not believe in a defined God. This second group could even include atheists and agnostics who are intrigued with spirituality, and yet they don't necessarily believe in uh, a God as you and I would. Their spiritual experiences are deeply personal and private. This group of people known as spiritual and not religious. A survey conducted by Public Religion Research Institute in 2017 of about 2,000 Americans found that 18% of Americans self-identify as spiritual but not religious. Australia also noticed that the increase of people selecting no religion in their latest census included this group of people who did not want to be affiliated with a religion or a Christian denomination. 
A quote I read uh, in a recent article that appeared in The Atlantic by Matthew Hedstrom. He's a professor of religion at the University of Virginia. This uh, quote seems to sum up their feelings uh, quite well, the, the feelings of this movement. He said, The word church means you need to put on uncomfortable shoes, sit up straight, and listen to boring old-fashioned hymns. Spirituality is seen as a larger, freer arena to explore big questions. I'm sure you would have met or you probably know someone who considers themselves to be spiritual but not religious. I'll kind of describe them to you a little bit. They'll talk about praying or saying that they have a relationship with Jesus, but they do not belong to a church, they do not attend a church on a regular basis. They practice yoga or meditate, and they'll encourage you to do the same as well. They like to explore the virtues of faith and belief. You may even hear them say things like this, Send me some good vibes, or you are in my thoughts. I've always found that phrase somewhat interesting, the good vibes phrase. I, I don't really understand what vibes are or what people are referring to, you know. I mean, it's... Nice to think positively about someone, but what effect does that actually have? Can you actually send someone good thoughts or good vibes? People who are spiritual but not religious tend to believe in an afterlife, but not in a defined heaven and hell. You'll find yourself in conversations with them about spiritual things, but there isn't much structure to their spirituality. They are happy to go with you to church and experience God, especially if it's something new, uh, something that they've never experienced, but they tend to not want to commit to regular attendance. This outlook on spirituality is on the rise in my generation, and I think a lot of it has to do with people being disillusioned with religion, whether that is their local church or uh, scandals that they've seen take place in the news. And before we dive into this too much, I would like to share a bit about how I was raised. I'd also like to uh, qualify this before I share uh, this story about my personal life, um, that I was raised by great parents, and they loved God, and they were uh, committed to God and committed to His church. The church I grew up in was a uh, quite strict holiness Pentecostal church in the Midwest of the United States. We were discouraged from being involved in organized sports. Uh, you know, many people in the church kind of saw that as a sinful thing to be involved in. You weren't allowed to own a TV if you had an own a TV that was operational. That was a big no-no. I witnessed what would be considered racist views from leadership. It wasn't out and out, but it could definitely be inferred. And I know there were a few... Um, minorities that were offended um, by some things that took place in the church. It was a regular occurrence for people to be openly rebuked before the whole church. Uh, I can not really explain to you how awkward and terrible it is to experience something like that when you see someone who is rebuked in front of the entire church and embarrassed. I remember uh, the pastor one time uh, had to go at my dad because he used to run in the evening after work, in the dark, and uh, 
the pastor didn't seem to think that that was wise to be out running uh, near the road in the dark. Uh, but that was the only time that my dad could run, and it was really good for his health, obviously, to be out there running instead of uh, being at home sitting around. Uh, that was randomly raised in a service, uh, and my dad was mentioned by name. In fact, an affair took place involving uh, one of the junior pastors in our church that caused the entire church to fall into disarray. But with all that said, it was also a church that was full of the most loving and caring people, many of which I continue to have relationships with to this day, and they may be listening to this podcast and know what I'm referring to. They still serve in their local church and are very involved in leadership as well. Can I blame someone who grew up in an environment like that for walking away from the church? I'm not too sure that I can. That will give you a bit of an idea of the perspective that I bring to what we are going to discuss the rest of this episode. I noticed this phrase mentioned a lot growing up in Christianity. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. And it's even mentioned, you know, casually in, in sermons to this day. This statement is made to encourage people to not just go through what would be considered religious practices out of duty or fear, but to seek a genuine relationship with Jesus. You're not going to be saved by your religious practices, we know this, but you're going to be saved by the relationship that you have with God, which is developed through prayer, worship, and faith. The idea behind this statement is to focus on your relationship with God above everything else. And when I first heard this phrase many years ago, I was completely on board. Yes, yes, it's all about relationship. It's not about this religion nonsense. It's not about all of these do's and don'ts, but it's about a genuine relationship with God. And for the most part, I continue to agree with that statement. But I would argue that there must be some structure or support to our relationship with God. You know the word religion has gotten a bad rap over the years. It has come to be defined as everything that is wrong with historic Christianity. When people think about religion, they seem to gravitate towards the negative. But I don't think that there is any problem with religion when it is defined correctly. The word religion merely means a practical, a particular system of faith and worship. So if by religion we mean the traditional customs and practices of Christianity found in Scripture and also in church tradition, and obviously we're not talking about uh, things that are in church tradition that are con uh, contrary or in contradiction with Scripture, so leave that to the side. But the traditional custom and practices that are found in Scripture and that are also in church tradition, if that is uh, what it means to be religious or to have religion, then I cannot see how that is a problem. For example, it may be considered religion to attend a weekly church service on Sunday that includes worship and preaching. But this practice is biblical because in Judaism, the Jews were instructed instructed to dedicate one day a week to God. And the writer of Hebrews encouraged the church to not forsake the assembling together in order to encourage each other in their faith. 
There are also references to the disciples of Jesus meeting on Sundays, and you can read about that in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, or even in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. They were encouraged to uh, meet on Sundays after uh, Jesus' resurrection, which uh, we know also took place on the first day of the week, a Sunday. As an aside, I have this ongoing debate with my wife about what should be considered the first day of the week. Uh, she says that the first day of the week is Monday, uh, but obviously we can see, Steph, based on Scripture, it is Sunday. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but getting back to our discussion, someone who is only seeking a relationship with God may decide to skip church on a Sunday, justifying that is merely a religious practice and not necessary for them to draw closer to Jesus. Besides, sometimes Christians are just terrible people. But we can plainly see in Scripture that spending time together with other believers is important to the growth of our faith in God. We are encouraged to do that. We are encouraged to get together with believers so then they can be encouraged and we can be encouraged. This is something that the Bible talks about specifically. Religion is just a framework a framework by which we are to pursue our relationship with God. So I want to encourage you to try and get rid of all of the negative views that come along with a word like religion and just think of it as a framework by which we are to pursue our relationship with God. That is where I believe individuals who claim to be spiritual but not religious get it wrong. Because true spirituality, as defined by the Bible, requires religion. It is by the framework provided by religion that we are taught how and why we pray. It is religion that instructs you to give and to bless others. It is through the practice of religion that you are encouraged to read scripture and to go on a fast. Sure, it's possible that you can be spiritually led to do these things, but will you pray? Will you read your Bible? Will you fast? Will you have faith or give sacrificially when you don't feel spiritual? I don't want to ignore the fact that there are issues with just being religious. Okay, so I don't want to come across as saying that you know religion is perfect and, and all of this is just wonderful and great. No, there are issues with someone who is just being religious, and that is kind of hearkening back to that phrase when we're talking about, you know, it's not about religion, but it's about relationship. What they're saying is don't just be religious. It's not about religion, but it's about a relationship with God. The Apostle Paul addresses this in his writings to Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, and I'm actually reading this from the Amplified Bible. He says, Holding to a form of outward godliness or religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith, avoid such people and keep far away from them. Paul is telling Timothy to avoid people who pretend to be religious but deny the life-changing power of God's Spirit. He's not saying that religious is a bad thing, 
but rather that only being religious in outward appearances is wrong. If your inner life doesn't match your outer appearance, that is the issue. Not necessarily religion itself, but if you're only displaying religion and not actually uh, on the inside serving God and having a relationship with Him. You are following a form of religion, but you are denying its life-changing power, even in your own life, because you have not allowed it to change you. That's what Paul's saying. He's not saying that religion in and of itself is bad. What he's saying is you're following a religion and you're doing these practices, but you're not allowing, you're not allowing your life to be changed. You're the person that needs to change. Not just actions on the outside, pretending to be religious or showing some sort of devotion, but on the inside, you know, nothing has changed. Jesus spent much of his ministry condemning the religious men of his day, which were called Pharisees. He once compared these individuals to whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. He continued to say, So you, too, outwardly appear righteous to men. Talking to the Pharisees, you appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He's saying, you know, you show yourself to look so great on the outside, but on the inside, in your heart, you are full of hypocrisy. Your, your actions are not matching, uh, or, or what you're saying is not matching what you actually do. The way you are purporting to live is not matched by your inner man or your inner life, and you're governed by hypocrisy and lawlessness. His issue with them was not their religion, but rather that their religion was only an outward show. That is why he also said concerning the law that these men purported to follow, these men said that they were following this law. Jesus had this to say about it in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. He said, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. You see, Jesus is saying right there, I didn't come to destroy the religion of the Jews, seeing that it was him, Jesus, God. God was the one that established their religion through their forefathers in the first place. He was the one that gave them the law. He was the one that gave them the prophets. He's saying, I haven't come to destroy this, but I come to fill it full of meaning. He came to be an example of what it was like when the inner man matched the outward appearance perfectly. Jesus was the example of someone whose inner man perfectly matched their outward appearances when it comes to religion, when it comes to uh, spiritual disciplines. You see, we run into issues when we allow ourselves to practice our religion without the power of God's Spirit. That is why we need to be full of His Spirit, because it is through the Spirit of God 
that we show His love to the world. It is the fruit of the Spirit that attracts others to Christ, not our religious practices, not what we do on a regular basis when it comes to religion. That is not going to attract people to Christ, but it is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. When they see your fruit, when they see the Spirit operational in your life, when they see someone who has a relationship with God and it matches up with their religious practices, they have a relationship with God and they go to church every week. They have a relationship with God and they're dedicated to the kingdom of God. When they see those things match up, that is what's going to attract them to Christ. When they see a changed life, when they see someone who is walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, that will attract them to Christ. In fact, if you read some of the principles spelled out by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, and this is the portion of Scripture where Paul talks about the lust of the flesh, and uh, it's when he details the fruit of the Spirit that we know so much about, and he goes into that at the end of Galatians 5, and then that bleeds over into Galatians 6 when he's talking about how to uh, deal with individuals and different things that are happening in church, how we should be as uh, people of God, that we're to uh, be humble and not to boast. And he wraps up that portion of Scripture by saying, the one who sows in his own flesh, talking about the lust of the flesh, obviously, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, uh, through the fruit of the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So you can just see through that passage the absolute necessity of having the Spirit of God active in our life. It's going to be a blessing to all people but especially to those who are of the household of faith, to those who are uh, fellow believers, those who we go to church with, those we do life with. If we are walking in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to operate in our lives, then we will be a blessing to them. So can you be religious and not spiritual? I think it's plain to see that yes, you can be. It's easy to settle for rituals. It's easy to settle for coming to church on a Sunday, uh, for going to worship and hearing the preaching and then going about your week. Uh, it's easy to settle for rituals and for customs instead of a true relationship with God. It's easy to go through the motions and to appear religious on the outside, but on the inside not really having that deep and meaningful personal relationship with God. So yes, yes, it's, yeah, we all know that. You can be religious and not spiritual. It's easy to be that whitewashed tomb because being a true follower of Christ requires discipline. Being a true follower of Christ requires self-sacrifice. It's not easy to be disciplined. It's not easy to sacrifice self for others. 
It's not easy to put others before yourself. So yeah, you can definitely be religious and not spiritual. But can you truly be spiritual? And we're talking about in a biblical sense, because in reality, that is true spirituality, a good spirituality. Um, so can you be spiritual and not religious? I don't think that you can. I don't think that it is possible for someone to be a very spiritual uh, in, in a good sense, in a biblical sense, but not have a framework around their spiritual life, not having a structure in place, not having these things that the scripture lays out for us, that the apostles uh, lay out for us to follow. So it is our job. It is our calling. It is our purpose to be both spiritual and religious. We need to find that balance not to be someone who is a whitewashed tomb, who is only religious on the outside but is spiritually dead. We want to be someone who is alive in the spirit. We want to be someone who is both spiritual and religious, someone who loves God and His church. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for joining me on the Hacka Podcast. I hope it has been a blessing to you. If you have found today's episode helpful, please share it with a friend and encourage them to follow the podcast as we continue to grow. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and a number of other platforms. It has been awesome to receive such great feedback and encouragement about the show. If you have time to leave me a rating and review on the platform where you listen to the podcast, I would be very grateful. Thank you again for your time today, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Hacker Podcast.